Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. My name is John Neves, your guest host, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode guest, Jason JJ Jose. He is a podcaster in Florida. He created a podcast a few years ago called the Orlando Lions Den Podcast. And anything you want to know about Orlando City for Major League Soccer, he is your expert. And obviously, we have to talk to him about Nani. Nani doing very well down in Orlando, uh, in Florida. Um, but he had some bumps lately. He uh, was suspended for two matches. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But basically, we've spoken really about Nani's time in Orlando. Uh, we also talked about João Matinho, another Portuguese player that's playing in Orlando that perhaps a lot of people don't know about. Uh, we spoke about, uh, because I didn't really know it was that big, the big Portuguese community in Florida. So we got a lot of insight on that. And we had a great discussion uh, about Orlando, about Nani, about the Portuguese. And uh, it was really very interesting perspective. Of course, we're in a bit of a downtime, downtime with the schedule. Of course, we know we've got the under-21s coming up. Uh, we got the Silasone getting ready to play some uh, friendlies before they begin the Euro. So this was really a great week to talk to a really a expert with regards to Orlando City as someone who really knows his stuff. And uh, that will be coming up in my uh, next segment, uh, my interview with uh, Jason, a Portuguese in uh, Florida. But like I do at every episode, let's start off talking about the upcoming schedule. Again, the Liga is finished right now in terms of the next week or so. We've got the under-21s playing on Monday. They play Italy. The winner of that will advance on Thursday uh, to play either Spain or Croatia. Portugal has never won the under-21 European Championships. They have finished second twice. Lost a few years ago to Sweden in the final. So that is going to be a source of focus during the uh, next week. Uh, the Silasom, the national team, has uh, begun camp. Uh, obviously, all the players are at Football City, Cidade Football. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Ruben Diaz, Juan Cancelo, of course, they're getting ready to play in the Champions League final in Porto. So they will only be joining the team after the friendly against Spain on June the 4th. They're going to have a little bit of rest after the Champions League uh, final. But uh, the Portugal is in camp getting ready to defend their title next Friday. They are going to be in Spain uh, playing a friendly, the first of two. And then the following week, they play Israel. So pretty soon we are going to be in the middle of the rescheduled Euro 2020, which so glad to have it back that we're going to be seeing that top level uh, football, uh, soccer, really looking forward to seeing that that gets going next month. And of course, Portugal with a terrific friendly coming up later this week, uh, taking on um, Spain uh, next uh, Friday. Uh, also this weekend, but it looks like at this point it might already be uh, resolved. You have the Liga playoff for who's going to be the third team to, uh, well, in the case of Rio Ave, will they stay? Or in the case of Aroca, will they get promoted up? And after the first leg, Aroca, second division, beat up on Rio Ave 3-0. Uh, it was so bad that Rio Ave, uh, basically in the middle of these two legs, let go of their manager, Miguel Cardoso. So it's been a very rough week in Vila do Cund. And uh, basically on Sunday, Rio Ave really needs to pull off a miracle. They need to score two quick goals to get this match. They've got to score more than three goals to try to advance, but they've got an uphill battle. 
But right now, Aroca looking pretty to be the third team from the second division to advance. And Riwav, unless things change, looks like they'll be the third Leonage team that will be dropping down. And, you know, again, I mentioned this in my last episode and really incredible about what's going on with Riwav. You know, last September, they go to Turkey, uh, qualifying round of the Europa. They eliminate Besikas in penalty kicks. Then they come home and they play AC Milan. They, they team with a big name in Europe. They, I mean, they were so close to eliminating them, going extra time. It just, it was just so difficult, so difficult. They came so close to eliminating Milan. They didn't. But you thought that that would have mean the start of a special season for Riwav, which, you know, over the years has been sort of your fifth, sixth, seventh place team, qualify for Europa every few years. You know, they're kind of always close. They're not like Braga that I think can really compete with the bigger clubs. But they're always knocking on the door. But this year, they have kind of fallen off a cliff. And they're really amazing, uh, unfortunately disappointing of what's been going on the uh, the last uh, eight to nine months in Riwa. But right now, they're going to have to regroup. And unless they pull off a miracle, they are probably going to be heading to the second division next year. They've spent many years in the first division, so obviously a lot of disappointed people. And, you know, it's also a bit of a disappointment to see them lose because when you're a traveler and you want to go to Portugal to watch matches, you know, Riwav is in the suburbs of Porto. You take the uh, light rail, the train, very easy to get to in about 30 minutes. You know, it, it, it just makes it so easy to increase your chances of seeing a match and seeing them drop to the second division um, really hurts with one less team in the Porto region. Um, obviously, there's, of course, other teams, and you can still, of course, watch them in the second division if that does happen. But as from a broader perspective of traveling, disappointing not to see Riwav's going to, you know, the way things are going, they may not be in the first division um, next year. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, we've got the Champions League final. There's been a few incidents already in the news. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not hasn't been pretty, but we'll see what will transpire in the upcoming hours. By the time you listen to this, the Champions League final would be over. But I know Thursday night there were uh, some incidents with fans. Hopefully the rest of the weekend things are calm. Um, fans, you know, initially there was talk of a bubble. Now they're allowing everyone to have their freedom. Great for the local economy. Great for the hotel since so many fans are flying in knowing they're not going to be able to go to the game, but they want to be a part of that environment, especially if their team wins. Um, but like I said, there has been a few concerning problems so far, and I'll be curious to see basically through uh, Sunday morning how this is going to be handled. But, you know, there's also a lot of people in Portugal upset because, yeah, it's great to host the Champions League. It's great for the economy. It's great for Portugal's brand name around the world. But, of course, we just had a league of season where there were no fans allowed in the stadium. And that has upset a lot of people that know here, but yes, here. And people in Portugal get tired of that stuff. But uh, good luck to the three Portuguese players, Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, and Ruben Dias. At City, um, obviously, you know who I'm going to be rooting for. Disappointed, Bruno and uh, United didn't win the Europa League, losing in PKs. And what a PKs it was. Almost everybody made it, uh, except for the very end when the poor goalkeeper missed it. You know, But uh, very disappointed that Bruno didn't win a trophy. I believe had they won a trophy, that would have brought Sporting some more money in the Bruno Fernandes transfer, which you know, I'm Sporting would have wished they would have uh, received. Um National team camp, back to the national team camp, of course. The big news last few days, Gangalo Gwedge tested positive. Fernando Santos will make a decision depending on how he progresses in isolation and how his health is, whether or not he'll keep him on. But uh, 
preliminary early accounts say that he should be fine to remain on the team after isolation. And of course, you know, again, Portugal defending their title. They have some of the best players that play for some of the best clubs in Europe. I say it all the time, Portugal watching them is must-see TV. So we, of course, are all looking forward to the Euro. And then really, and it's already started to pick up already, the start of silly season, uh, all the player links. Uh, we've heard uh, Pote being linked with Liverpool, Nuno Menge has at this point been linked with every big club in uh, Europe. You know, obviously, sporting is going to want a lot of money. There was even some reports, again, take it for whatever you think it's worth, about Lyon of France have, eyeing uh, JJ. Some Benfica fans would love to see him leave. You know, look how much that has changed in the past year after he arrived from Flamingo. Is there any truth to that? Probably not. But again, we'll see. Silly season means a lot of things that people don't believe. But sometimes some of them come true. And we have to see how that's going to transpire in the next few months because obviously outside of the Euro they're in the under-21 for the next week or so, there really isn't a lot of football. So the newspapers are going to be doing a lot of uh, stories. And in Portugal, of course, you know a lot of times that's player sales. And then don't forget, we have a bunch of Portuguese managers that right now are unemployed. Uh, Luis Castro, Paulo Fonseca, a whole bunch of managers uh, Leonardo Jardim, that, you know, be interesting to see where some of these are going to land. We saw Rui Vitoria landed with uh, Spartak Moscow. You don't usually see a lot of Portuguese managers go to Russia, but Rui Vitoria is there. And by the way, Spartak Moscow, depending on the draw, could possibly play Benfica, one of the uh, Champions League preliminary rounds. So curious to see. That would be a heck of a story to see Rui Vitoria coming uh, back uh, to Portugal. Um, be interesting because we had a Portuguese manager that knocked out Benfica last summer, and now there could be a possibility of another Portuguese manager playing uh, Benfica in a very important match, although, of course, this year it's going to be over uh, two legs. And then, of course, the other question is Sergio Conceição. Will he sign the renewal? All reports as this podcast is being dropped is that it looks like he will two-year deal be among the highest paid managers or the highest paid manager in Portugal. So that's really looking good for Porto fans. Again, based on information as of this episode, of course, you saw that he was being linked with Napoli, Correio dello Sport, a major newspaper in Italy reported that only for it later to be denied, only for the, the newspaper to say, well, we heard it from the owner. So again, silly season, a lot of news, agents dropping things on newspapers, newspapers reporting things that the clubs deny. Sometimes the clubs will put information out there that maybe necessarily the agents deny. It's just all a big game. But that's how it sells newspapers. And let's be honest with you, people love, love to see the news, love to read about it. And that's going to be pretty much uh, the big story over the next uh, few months. Uh, Champions League pots. Uh, we've got basically sporting now confirmed in pot one, Porto in pot three. And Benfica, if they qualify for the Champions League group stage, will also be in pot three. So that'll be another thing to watch out for this summer. But uh, check out, by the way, uh, pot two of the Champions League. Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, Juventus, Manchester United. Um, I mean, those are some of the teams in pot two of the Champions League. Wow. But uh, the Portuguese teams, you know, we always do get some giants. Obviously great for television. Most of those games tend to be transmitted around the world. But uh, again, Sporting confirmed in pot one as the champion. 
Porto confirmed in pot three. Both of them have already qualified for the group stages. And then, of course, Benfica has to play a brutal August schedule. I said this even before the media said this. I said this about three episodes ago, two episodes ago, that Benfica has a very, very busy August. I mean, last year, Benfica had a short amount of time to get ready for the European competition. This year... They're going to have more matches to play and they'll have more time, but there's just more matches, not to mention the domestic uh, season. So, you know, probably the only good thing for Benfica is they don't have to worry about the Super Cup. That's one less match. But Benfica with an absolutely brutal schedule coming up in August, it'll probably be good for the fans. They'll be able to watch the game if you're going to be going to Portugal in August and depending on how many fans are allowed. A lot of work for Benfica to do in August. And of course, these days, what are the changes that Benfica are going to make? That is the very big question. Um, you know, there's been a talk whether or not JJ is going to stay. He's going to stay. Don't worry about that. But, you know, after spending $100 million last summer, who is Benfica going to change this year? So that's going to be a real interesting thing. Uh, going to get going now with my interview with uh, Jason from the Orlando Lions Den podcast. Tremendous discussion on all things Nani. Really looking forward to presenting this right now. Part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast, and I'm very happy to have here. His name is Jason JJ Jose. Hope I got that last part right. I, I never get that part of the Portuguese right. Did I? Did I get that right? You, you got it right. You got it right. Jose. 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 Like Jose Mourinho. <laughs> Every second and third uncle of mine, his name is Jose. So you would think by now that I would actually get it right. But I think my accent uh, makes it a little bit harder. But folks, I'm very proud to have here tonight uh, the one of the individuals, the creator um, of the Orlando Lions Den podcast. Uh, when I think about someone who knows about all things Orlando City, which, of course, obviously one of their big players is Nani. And let's not forget João Moutinho. The other João Moutinho, of course, is, of course, uh, Jason. Jason, thank you so much for being on my podcast. I'm happy to be here. Uh, it's a great opportunity. Uh, PortugueseSoccer.com, like I told you, uh, has been with me for plenty of years, you know, back in the camouflage, green days and everything. So thank you for giving me an opportunity and being on here on this podcast with you. Uh, thank you. Well, I, I'm, when you, when we were initially discussing this, I was like, my goodness, what an incredible timing this is because we've got a lot to talk about Nani. And by the way, you know how many people talk to me about that green camouflage background? I've actually thought about bringing it back, even if it's only for like a week, because I've run into people at weddings. I've run into like people that know people that say, yeah, you're the website that was camouflage green. Maybe I need to bring it back. I, I don't know, because I know everything these days is all social media, but uh, maybe, I, maybe I need to, you know, like sometimes teams will bring back old kits from like 20 years yeah. ago. Maybe I need to bring it, but who knows if we're, you know, if the website even allows it, but I'll do that. But uh, Jason, let's start first off, like I've done with, with guests in the past. I like to talk about their Portuguese background. Tell me a little bit about your Portuguese background and a little bit about, um, is there, a, is there a big community? You know, we'll start here. We're going to talk plenty about Ani. Tell me about the Portuguese community as well in Orlando. Uh, well, my background is I was actually born in the United States, in the States. I was born in Florida. My parents migrated over here back in the uh, 19, 1971. They migrated from uh, Portugal, Lisbon, um, actually north of Lisbon in the Ribatejo area. If you guys are familiar, that's where the uh, great bullfighting is in Portugal. Uh, they were from a town called Cruz, a uh, village called Cruz, which is uh, 
probably about 40 minutes, 45 minutes north of Lisbon. And they migrated over here for a better opportunity, like all the Portuguese people did back in the 70s and 60s to, to make life better for the kids. Well, I was born here. I was a uh, uh, first generation American that was born uh, out of that. And uh, my brother was born in Portugal. But I was raised in a household where I had to speak Portuguese. Everything was Portuguese from the food to watching TV in Portuguese to my parents, my dad listening to the soccer games on shortwave radio when you basically didn't have what you have today. So, and then uh, our community was small in Orlando back in the 70s and the 80s. Uh, a lot of people didn't uh, know what Orlando was except for Disney World. And the Portuguese community, there was a handful. Well, I guess from up north, people started moving down from Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, New Jersey, started coming down to Orlando and to Florida, to be exact. So Orlando became uh, actually a popular area for Portuguese people, along with Palm Coast, which is about a 40 to 45 minute drive from Orlando, which has a humongous uh, po Portuguese population there. So then you also got Clearwater, Fort Lauderdale, West Palm Beach. So Florida in general, I think is now, I think second most uh, populous Portuguese state in the United States. Uh, and the Portuguese community here is big. Uh, also Cape Verdean, we have a lot of Cape Verdean and of course the Brazilians are humongous. We got a Portuguese store. We have the Seabras supermarket, two locations here in Orlando. We have Portuguese restaurants. Um, the only thing we don't have is a Portuguese radio station, but uh, <laughs> that's basically it. But we do have everything Portuguese here from our fresh things, nata, uh, to our chorizos, to our linguices, to our popsicles. We have it all here. So, yeah, Orlando has become a, a good, we used to have the Portuguese consulate here and they then changed it over to Palm Coast, where there was, of course, um, a bigger community there of Portuguese people, which, I mean, you go to Portugal, I mean, you go to Palm Coast and it's like little Portugal, it's like being in Newark on Ferry Street. I mean, everybody's talking Portuguese on the street and everything. So Florida's big and everything. And uh, me, I, being raised and listening to great Portuguese music in Rachos, Folkloricos, there you go. That's how I became Portuguese and it's always been with me. I'm more Portuguese than I am American, to be honest with you, and uh, being born and raised here in America. I didn't know you guys had a Siabras down there, right? Because uh, uh, in Newark, there's practically one, and it looks like on every other corner. But great job yeah. by them. I, for a lot of people that don't know, that is a very big supermarket chain, Portuguese. And uh, yep. I've been in there quite many times as well when, uh, whenever I'm in the local Portuguese neighborhood. I stock up on my items, and I'm always walking back home with, like, all these things on the train and everything. So that's, that's good. I didn't know that. Actually, four. There's four wow. in Florida. Two in Orlando, one in Fort Lauderdale. And then one uh, in Weston, which is near West Palm Beach. So wow, yeah. you got to get you got to get them to do some sponsorship of the uh, of the. Of oh, I'm, working on that. I'm, wor I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working on that. <laughs> oh no, that's that's uh, great. Yeah, I love Orlando. Obviously, most people know it for uh, Disney World, but I've been there many times. I've actually stayed at. There's a Marriott hotel there, which I think is one of the biggest in the world, that you can literally get lost. World in, Marriott. Uh, I think it's the World Marriott. And it's always funny. Every time I go to Florida, you're indoors. It gets too cold with the air conditioning. And then you go out to, you know, to the parking garage or you go out and you get hit with this thing, steam of hot air. Like it just smacks you in the face like your mother when you're five years old and you're not listening to her. Like, boom. 
but uh, yeah, I actually have some friends that live in Orlando. One goes to Central Florida, and uh, it's a great area. So uh, you know, I'm glad to have you here, and, and I really awesome. appreciate hearing your story. Because let me tell you, the Portuguese are all over the world, and uh, yes, they are. You know, they are. You know, whether it's Canada, the USA, England, South Africa, Australia. They're all over the place. And another Portuguese that, of course, is in the United States and doing pretty good, of course, is Nani. Um, obviously, um, Nani um, Sporting, Manchester United, um, you know, was in Turkey. And about two years ago, correct me not if I'm wrong, he makes the move to MLS. I remember there was a reporter that put out a story that there were MLS clubs that were, you know, they were kind of because the MLS is a single entity system Correct. and they put out the word. And I have to tell you, looking at his numbers, 54 matches, mm-hmm. 12 goals and 15 assists mm-hmm. in uh, two years. Obviously, I know some of that was interrupted with the uh, pandemic, but those are I mean, he's having I think you could safe to say that he's been a success story in Orlando. He's been a success story. Um, I wasn't a big fan of him uh, coming to Orlando. Uh, I thought he was on his downhill and um, on my podcast, uh, I was very negative towards him in his first year. I thought he would hold on to the ball. I mean, watching him in the Slesson, you know, I didn't really anticipate him to be that superstar that everybody thought, you know, and I, I actually said it on my podcast. I was very negative towards him and stating that, you know, I don't think that he's going to, produce what you guys are expecting him to produce like he did in Manchester United. Second year came, of course, the pandemic. He showed us what he can do. And that was the MLS's back. He brought that team, put it on his shoulders, Orlando City, after being horrible, you know, since the beginning of their existence, you know, even with Kaká being here and everything. And he took that team all the way to the finals to play the Portland Timbers. Started getting faith in him. But now he's starting to get older. So this year, seeing and following him and, you know, following his steps of what he's been doing, you know, going, he went to Portugal during the pandemic, worked out, did, a, you know, got with a, a couple of trainers there. And he came, he came bigger and stronger. So this year I started telling on our, my season preview on our podcast, I said, I think this is going to be the year that Nani will show everybody that he still has it at his age. And he will show that he will score in double figures this year and get assists in double figures. Well, the way he's going, he's going that way right now. Unfortunately, we we have the suspension for the two games, but in every game so far before the suspension, he's given a goal or he scored a goal. This guy is on fire right now. Um, I threw out the rumor, you know, I don't know if you followed it or not, uh, about, you know, him being possibly called up to the Celeste for the European cup. Uh, it kind of went with it here in Orlando. People were starting to panic because what are we going to do without Nani for a whole month? You know? So when the, uh, the, the, the Celeste named all the players and they didn't see Nani. Every Orlando City fan was so happy, and they were they were celebrating. But um, this guy has this year has become an older version, I would say, of a Manchester United when he played at Manchester United in his prime. 
but an older version, which of course he's going to be a little bit slower, but the guy is out to show that he still has it and he's going to prove it this year. I think Nani is there and Nani will, I think, prove it this year. Yeah. Is Orlando one of three teams right now that still haven't lost this season? Is that correct? Orlando right now is in second with the game less than New England. And yes, they are one of the three, Nashville and Seattle are the other ones that have not lost a game yet this season. Yeah, I remember, I did hear about it, by the way, the, uh, you know, the possibility of him and the talk about him going. And obviously, yes, when you have a player of his caliber, there's a chance that he might be called up. And of course, he's going to be going away because, you know, MLS, I know they sometimes they stop for the World Cup for about two and a half, three weeks. But when it comes to all the other competitions, um, they pretty much keep it going. Although I think they may stop for like two weeks for the Copa yeah, it's America. Two weeks. Stuck. Two weeks. Yeah. Uh, they, in June. Yeah, they may uh, they may stop it there, but uh, yeah, he's done a, he's done a great job. And I actually also thought I kind of hold out hope because, you know, to me, first off, he has experience. I still remember the goal he scored against the USA, and you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, when when players come to MLS. Um, it's immediately, you know, it's, well, it's just his retirement and it's over, but I still think he could have contributed. I'm not saying he should have been the starter or, you know, I mean, Portugal, let's be honest with you, Portugal's loaded as it is, you know, they probably didn't need him and, you know, things like that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's done pretty, he's done pretty well. He's been, I think a big success story. And, uh, I know, I know before he came, Orlando was, you know, I, I don't think you guys made the playoffs, correct? The first few years. Correct. We never made the playoffs until 90 came. Uh, and we, even Nani in his first year when he was in Orlando City, we still didn't make the playoffs. So we only made the playoffs last year on the MLS is back. And then the uh, the weird, you know, season that we had in MLS last year is when we made it also. We made it all the way to the semifinals and walked to New England in the uh, conference semifinals. But yeah, I mean, something you, you mentioned earlier about his goals, if you look at it, you know, he had 147 appearances at Manchester United and scored 25 goals. Well, he's had 54 appearances here and scored 21 goals. I mean, that is, that just tells you right now the caliber of this guy at his age that he still can do it. You know, in MLS, uh, I'm not bashing MLS. MLS is a good league. There's upcoming, I mean, you got guys that are going to Europe that come from MLS, you know, young Americans. So, I mean, for him to be doing what he's doing, I think it's, it's, it's phenomenal at his age still and everything. And, you know, I thought he was going to be called up like Ricardo Carvalho did in the last European, you know, an older, a locker room presence for Portugal, which I think would have been great. He's been captain there before. And that's why I thought he was going to be called up also in Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he had a shot. I thought he had a shot. But I knew it was a long shot. I knew it was a long shot because he hasn't really been called – during the whole time he's been in yeah. Orlando. And uh, I knew that that would kind of work against him. And look, uh, MLS, like I said, I, I don't know how many people in Portugal. I mean, I know the games, uh, they tend to show the games after like one o'clock in the morning. So I know some people have some familiarity with it, but uh, MLS, uh, even though I think it's a little bit, you know, when I was talking to uh, Mark Dos Santos of Vancouver and Pedro Santos of Columbus, you know, they both say that, uh, you know, if you put a Portuguese team, not necessarily maybe the top five in MLS, a lot of these other teams would struggle. It wouldn't be as easy as they would make it out to be. It would be a lot tougher than uh, they think. But uh, MLS is, uh, I think it's a little bit tougher, but he's done a great job. And how has um, 
the Portuguese community? I mean, does the Portuguese community come out to see him? Do you see people in the stands? I mean, what's that like? So I have season tickets, of course, to Orlando City. I've had it since day one. I sit right near the players' tunnel, front row. I, I talk to all the players in Spanish, Portuguese, and everything. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, and I'm going to go back to season one of Orlando City when we had Kaká. And we had two Portuguese guys, Estrela and Rafa Ramos. You know how many Portuguese flags were at the Citrus Bowl? I counted five until, you know, MLS has the rule that you can't have the flags anywhere because they don't want to be seen on TV. I don't know why. But prior to the game, there was fans there. The Portuguese community has embraced Orlando City also. And I, I want to say it's because of the Brazilian connection with Flavio Augusto da Silva, who is now, it still owns it until the end of June when the Wolf family from the Minnesota Vikings have taken over. Um, a guy that influenced, was from Portugal, well, was from Brazil, but lived in Portugal, had a son at Benfica, had the connection with Benfica at the beginning, uh, the partnership with Benfica. So that influenced a lot of uh, Portuguese people, you know, and then getting that, that partnership, getting Estrela Rafa Ramos. Each year, there's always been a Portuguese player uh, at Orlando City. So after Ramos left, here comes Nani. Here comes Juan Montinho. So you always have that connection of having Portuguese players. And even today at the stadiums, you see sporting Lisbon shirts. You see a Benfica shirt here. You'll see flags on the uh, supporter side because you can't have them on the other side where people are sitting. But you'll have people waving the Portuguese flags and everything. So the Portuguese, uh, the Portuguese people um, are embracing it well. Heck, I mean, one of the uh, the biggest supporter group, which is the Ruckus, their main drum leader is Portuguese. So I mean, you're the Portuguese community is embracing it very well here in Orlando, and I think it helps out also the uh, to make these Portuguese players more uh, feeling more at home. You know, when they see. Oh, look, man, there's a Sporting Lisbon shirt. There's a guy with the Portuguese flag waving it. So, yeah, the Portuguese community has embraced these guys tremendously, these Portuguese players. Yeah, no, it's good. And now let's talk about the controversy. So, first off, I just want to tell all the listeners, if you go to PortugueseSoccer.com and you go to this podcast story, uh, I embedded a tweet for Major League Soccer. Uh, by the way, that's one of the great things about Major League Soccer is they have a group of guys, Andrew Wiebe, uh, many years ago, used to also be a gentleman named Simon Borg. And uh, they talk about a lot of stuff with MLS. And sometimes they go into areas that fans want to know about. And one of them is they did this thing where, you know, again, see the video, see for yourself. But apparently Nani um, has been suspended for two matches. The decision came down last Friday. Um, it was funny that I think the incident happened on a Saturday, on a Sunday night. And the yeah. decision came down on a, on a Friday. And in true Portuguese fashion, the players union came out and said no credibility with this decision. It was it was great. Uh, but um, he's been suspended for two matches. And why don't you explain to the audience that maybe hasn't seen the video yet? We'll see it. Tell us what happened. All right. So uh, one of our players, Andres Pereira, uh, young U.S. Uh, national team player um, who was born in uh, Colombia, basically got in a little tussle uh, with one of the players uh, from the opposing team of DC United. 
And Nani comes running down as the captain and grabs the shoulder of the referee to basically, hey, and he opens his arms and says, hey, I'm trying to break up the fight. But he touched the referee's shoulder, which according to rules, that's an automatic red card. Uh, they didn't give him a red card. They let the play go. Um, and he ended up getting a yellow card for it instead. So I don't know why he ended up getting a yellow card, which it should have been a direct red if he touched it. But then you look at during that whole 94th, 93rd and 94th minute, you have players from BC United grabbing the referee also and touching him and, and doing everything, but no incident whatsoever. In MLS, <laughs> good old uh, rules, I mean, you can't touch a ref, you can't touch a ref. So why wasn't the BC United players penalized or suspended for touching the ref also during that time? Well, we don't know. You know, MLS has their own whatever they want to do. In my opinion, if that's the rule, you touch a ref, you get a red card, you're suspended, that is fine. Now, why did it take almost a week? I mean, less than 24 hours before our game with Toronto on Saturday? That's a different story. Why not Tuesday, you know, when they start giving out the suspensions and the disciplinary, why do we wait all the way to Friday? I don't know that. I'm not an MLS. I'm not a pro referee. I wasn't in there. But I've seen plenty of players, such referees, that don't get anything. As a player, you're, you're, you're going up to the referee. To, you don't know at that moment. I mean, I've played soccer. You don't know what you're doing. You're just trying to break it up, whatever. There was a whole bunch of commotion going on. He's just going, trying to break it up and talk to the referee. If he didn't get a yellow or he didn't get a red in that game, he should have been suspended. Um, he got the yellow, got the caution. Uh, but if it's the rule, it's the rule, then he got suspended. I mean, to me, I, my thing is, is he shouldn't have been suspended. And if he has, it should have been undone on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, not less than 24 hours when your coach already prepared you to play against Toronto uh, the next day. And here comes the suspension of two. Well, let me tell you this, Jason. If this happened in Portugal, we wouldn't hear about the actual decision until probably <laughs> October. So, yeah, that's you true. know, give 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 MLS credit, even if it was 24 <laughs> hours before their next match. Um, at least uh, it got done within a week, like they do in the uh, Premier League. Yeah. And again, just a reminder: if you really want to see what we're talking about, uh, again, go to PortugueseSoccer.com. Go to the podcast story. It'll probably be the first one up. And I've embedded a tweet that Major League Soccer had a discussion about, and you could see for yourself. I watched the video, and to me, it looked like yeah. I was looking at his eyes, and when you look at his eyes, there definitely is contact. But he's kind of looking at. Not necessarily the referee. He's looking at what's going on around the referee. And I think as a result, he wound up, you know, like I said, touching the referee, which regardless, that's it. You know, you touch the referee, mm -hmm. period. And I think that's what happened. So I don't think there was any uh, bad, you know, intent. I think uh, maybe he got surprised that maybe the referee took a step back. And Nani, meanwhile, is yeah. going, you know, maybe that plays a part in that. But um Unfortunately, like I said, he's out for two matches. You know, again, like I was telling you before we came on the air, I was supposed to see him play this Saturday. You know, I was going to actually see him play. Um, and, uh, you know, now, uh, you know, I'm still happy to go to the game, of course, but it would have been nice because I did see him actually play 
he came when he came to um, to play the Red Bulls, or it was in New York City. One of those, I remember he came, and um, I got a chance to see him play. But it would have been nice with the way that Orlando's playing so well right now that, you know, and this guy is obviously one of the best players in the league and he really is. It would have been nice to see them, but um, how is the audience, the fans in Orlando taking the decision? Are they upset at Nani or is it more of being upset at the league for making too tough of a disciplinary decision? I'll say both. Um, Nani's been waiting for it, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we, the three years, the two years previous and now this one the third year we've seen him go ballistically crazy at some of the calls where i would have been like you need a card for that you know so it's kind of something that's been boiling you know and it finally went over the 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 pot and i think uh i think this might have been also mls saying hey buddy We've given you plenty of chances in the past. I mean, I've seen him running up to the referees and I thought he was going to go hit him. You know, he just, it's some of the stuff that he's done with the referees. And I don't know if it's because he thinks, you know, I, I'm one Euro, I played in these big teams in, in Portugal and England and everything. But uh, the fans here aren't, weren't happy, of course, you know, 24 hours prior to the game. You get it. But I think they finally accepted and said, hey, this might have been just a, a thing MLS saying, hey, listen, buddy, you, you've you've gone too far. And we we looked the other way. Now it's time to say, hey, we're giving you a slap on the wrist. We're giving you your two-game suspension. Try to stop. Don't do that anymore, you know. Yeah. So that's what I think the fans are uh, – like they're 50-50 on it. Yeah, he's missing – I think he missed, what, Toronto and New York. Those are the two matches Correct. that he's he going to be out. Toronto and New York. And uh, let's kind of turn over because there's another, you know, like you said, there's been various Portuguese players, but there is another person that's Portuguese on the team. Uh, obviously, we call him the other João Moutinho. Um, for a lot of people that don't know, he well, he's a Lisbon kid. He came to the United States to play uh, college NCA soccer, which, if I recall, was the University of Akron. I believe that's where the current Columbus manager, Caleb Porter, he built that into a powerhouse team. And, you know, for a lot of, if just for, for the European audience to, to understand is um, here in America, you have, you have the professional sports leagues, but the university sports, the college sports here are incredibly popular as well. Um, there are some sports teams here that draw more fans at their matches than they do in Portugal. I mean, it's it's incredible in some parts of the country. Mostly it's because they're the only show in town, especially when you get to the south. But I don't think a lot of Portuguese people really understand how, how big it is. But here's a kid. And there's a lot of kids, by the way, from Portugal that have come to play in the States. I know Niagara. You know, th- there's been various kids over the year. He goes to play at Akron. I believe they might have won the national championship with him. I can't remember. But he becomes the number one pick, which means in Major League Soccer, they have the draft. I believe it was the LA Galaxy, not the Galaxy. Was it, was it the LAFC? FC got the first pick. They picked him, and um, he was there. I don't know if it worked out too well. Now he came to Orlando, and he's done a pretty nice job in Orlando. He's not a superstar that some people would expect when you're the first pick in the draft, but he's done pretty well, correct? So yeah, uh, going actually, uh, he made it all the way to the semifinals of the NCAA uh, soccer tournament with Akron, and it didn't work out for him. 
because Bob Bradley uh, at LAFC didn't use him the correct way. So if one thing is a type of player, he's a left back that's more offensive than defense. And Bob Bradley was using it more of the defensive side instead of letting him go up, making the crosses, playing more offensive. So they traded him. They actually traded him to Orlando City for Mohamed El Mounir, who he went on to L.A. And it was a great, great, great acquisition for Orlando City. Young kid, you know, um, smart, knows the game. You know, he came from the Sporting Academy, actually, uh, Youth Academy. And very smart kid. So he goes. And at this time, we have a coach. We're in the transitioning of coaches from James O'Connor to Oscar Perea, the Colombian that had, you know, done wonders at Dallas, FC Dallas. So he knew how to use João Moutinho. And then where we got to see João Moutinho was definitely in the MLS back. I mean, he made the team of the tournament, you know, he scored the winning goal against LAFC, his old team, to put us into the semifinals to take on Minnesota United. Um, and then when the regular season started back up, he got an injury at Atlanta. Uh, Non-contact injury was funny because hey, he's just running and next thing you know, he pulled his groin. But then again, that's what happens when you play on turf instead of real grass. And uh, he's been out and he just came back about two, three games ago and um, played phenomenal, like he didn't lose a touch. Uh, so this guy, I mean, the, the, I talked to a lot of Portuguese people here. And when I mentioned João Montinho, they go, why is he not in Portugal playing somewhere, you know? And uh, maybe with a, you know, not a top three, top four, top five team, but more like a Santa Clara, Victoria de Gumarães, or somebody like that. Uh, the kid has the potential, young age, you know, he's 20, what, 23 years old. So he still has a lot. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to Europe in about a two or three years from now, maybe going to Portugal after his contract is up because he's a generation Adidas player here with the MLS. Yeah, he's done. He's done nice. And like I said, he has been, you know, he went at an early age. He went to Akron, which is in Ohio, and he did very well there, got a degree um, and then obviously got to got to play. And uh, now, like I said, he's got a chance to live in Los Angeles, which is always nice. Now he's living in Orlando. I mean, Lisbon. I mean, look, Akron, I've been to Akron. It's OK. Uh, you know, nice little place. But I will tell you, Lisbon to Los Angeles to Orlando, a little bit of Ohio. Uh, it's not bad. It's not really that bad. So uh, great job. Uh, well, nice job by him. And, uh, you know, Ashley, I'll be glad to say, by the way, he's not hurt. He's not suspended or anything. Like I could actually look forward to seeing him play this weekend. So he didn't play in the last game. And that's because we went on, Orlando City went on the three central uh, defenders. I don't know, uh, against Toronto. We parked the bus. We scored a goal and we wanted to park the bus. But he didn't make the 18. I'm a... All right, put it this way. I saw him limping in the last game uh, against Toronto, but he was in street clothes. So I don't know if uh, something's up with him, but I hope he does play uh, against the Red Bulls on Saturday. Um, but then again, we don't know. Our, we're still waiting for Woody Rossell. We don't know what happened to him. Orlando City's kind of – they do like the uh, 
CIA, they're very secretive about everything. <laughs> it's, mm. You got to pull and grind their teeth. You know, an injury is, oh, it's only a lower body. Well, what part of the lower body is it? Oh, we're not going to tell you. It's just lower body. Okay. Yeah, so, so they're not like yeah. the Portuguese clubs with the medical bulletins. They just, yeah. yeah, no, they just keep hush-hush. And I mean, like, you know, we have the Swedish and Robin Janssen. He finally played his first game against Toronto. So it's like, and he's our main defender. So our coaches likes to likes to play games, you know, and everything. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. Um, and then I want to hear a little bit more about your uh, podcast. So uh, when Portugal plays next month in the Euro, where are you going to go to watch the games? Uh, you're going to go to Palm Coast? Like, where are you going to go? I haven't decided yet, to be honest with you. Um, I might go to – I'm the type that likes to stay at home and break things. <laughs> right. When, uh, when uh, somebody uh, – so, for example – I was at a Portuguese restaurant and I watched the uh, the Spain against the Portugal game for the uh, World Cup. When Ronaldo hit it, uh, that goal to tie it up, I was at actually a uh, Lisbon restaurant in Orlando. Um, like when we make the semifinals and the finals, I'll go out. But mostly I like to stay home because I just sometimes I can't take it with people. Because, you know, being, I've played soccer all my life and then listening to somebody say things that doesn't make any sense, you know, I just feel like turning around and say, hey, have you ever played the game? You know, and that's the typical Portuguese person. Even my dad's the same way. He's never played the game. Oh, you know, George Jesus could have done better. Or, you know, I'm like, dad, have you ever tried to coach? You know what coaching's like, you know, or you know, ah, Darwin Nunes could have done this. I'm like, yeah, I want to see you out on the field. So that's why I like to stay at home and watch the, you know, the group stages. And then when we get to the semifinals and if we make it to the finals, then I like to go out and celebrate with everybody. Like I did with the France-Portugal game. I was at actually another Portuguese restaurant in Orlando, which is Galetus. And I saw that game there. And I was actually with Rafa Ramos, who now plays at Santa Clara. Um, I was with him. We we're watching the game together. I hope he likes to listen to podcasts like this one because he's going to have a lot of traveling to do with this new Europa League conference. I mean, yeah, if they wind up getting an Eastern European team, go from the – I mean, they might set up oh. camp in the continent. I don't know. But, uh, boy, they got some big traveling to do with that one. And obviously we're traveling. rooting for them too. We're rooting for them. They got to start, I think, in the second round, which means they've got to win several. And that's going to be – and by the way, for a Portuguese club, Santa Clara, to do that type of traveling, that's a lot of money. I don't think people they think yeah that's a lot of money but uh, yeah well no Santa Clara had a big year and it's it's good to see him uh, doing well and and let me tell you man I love hearing about this stuff I don't think a lot of people especially outside of maybe I don't maybe even outside of Florida realize how many Portuguese there are um, inside of Florida and how many are in Orlando and um, you know I think uh, if you know if you're Portuguese and you take you come to Disney World. Look up Google the local Portuguese community and go go mm -hmm. have some pastéis and natas and some food and you know enjoy yourself. Because I'll tell you this: the next time I go, Jason, I'm calling you because I want to go to the you best restaurant. Me, uh, you know, we'll, I want to. We'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit up the restaurants here and everything. Perfect. And maybe perfect. I get you a surprise with uh, eat with somebody. So, you know. Hey, if Nani is one with you, wants to join us. <laughs> I'm absolutely more more than happy to entertain that. Not a problem. Um, Let's uh let's wrap this up. Uh, I wanted to hear about. Tell me about your podcast. 
How long have you been doing it? I know that you're not the only one. I believe I saw a video where there was three others. Uh, you know, come on, brag about it. Let me hear it about the yeah, podcast. Let me brag about it. So I started this up. Uh, it came up about five years ago. We're already in season five as a joke, basically. And, you know, when jokes, jokes turn into reality. Uh, it was me mm -hmm. and another guy, uh, Orlando City fan. I went on to Twitter and I was like, hey, is anybody interested in doing a podcast? So I got one hit from one guy and he's like, Hey, yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm like, listen, I got some connections with Orlando city. And at that time it was and I could get maybe one or whatever. He's like, yeah, let me get, I got a buddy that I work with as a city fan. And there was another guy named Cleon, which we knew from Twitter from we call the OC Twitter world. And uh, he went, so it was a joke. We went on horrible sound. Horrible everything. It was just, uh, I mean, we were getting <laughs> horrible. Well, let's fast forward to five years later to today. We're the number one Orlando City fan podcast. Uh, and, heck, I would say the number one uh, podcast for Orlando City. Put it that way. We get, I mean, we got, we've had Alex Lathel, the CEO of Orlando City. We've got Kay Rollins, the owner. We've had Ricardo Moreira, the chief scout for Orlando City. I mean, we've we got players, we've gotten everything. Um, the only thing that we can't, why we can't say we're the number one is because Orlando City has their own podcast. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're right below them. Heck, we have their podcast guy, Miguel Gallardo. He's, he's come on our show also. So we're on. It's called the Orlando Lions Den. Uh, we've been on for five years since basically the beginning of Orlando City's existence in the MLS. And uh, it's five of us one two i can't even think six of us alex Ryder and uh alex brown uh eddie the commish and cleon and myself we've all came together we've done it and i mean we are just going strong we now are on youtube we have our own show on youtube where we you know while we're doing the podcast you can see our faces now and see our looks and see you know there's plenty of disagreement and plenty of agreements on there um, no shouting matches, but we do have a lot of disagreements, you know, as I'm the European guy, the Portuguese guy, of course, I'm going to support my Portuguese fellow Portuguese and Europeans, you know, while the other guys from South America are going to support more of the Ecuadorians and everything. So, but we do have great conversations and we go for about an hour. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's on iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. So nice. just look up Orlando Lions Den podcast. And you'll see us on, as like I said, we're everywhere. Every, anywhere you can see us, you can find us. <laughs> if they want to follow you on Twitter, what's your handle? It's Orlando Lions Den, at Orlando Lions Den on Twitter, if you want to follow me. And I do have sometimes breaking news as I, I do get some stuff. Um, you can follow me at Jason JJ Jose uh, on there. Uh, and you'll get everything, you know, anything that has to do with Orlando City and, uh, Sometimes I might find some stuff out and sometimes I get with you. Hey, did you hear about this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get with you and just find out if it's true or not. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, just follow me, follow Orlando Lions and, and you'll follow plenty of stuff. And it's not only Orlando Lions and it's mostly anything MLS also and uh, transfer rumors to, to real rumors to everything. We'll have it on there. Well, if you're looking to adopt an MLS team and you're looking to keep up date with it weekly, 
Orlando Lions Den podcast. I think that uh, that's go. like, uh, there you go. It's free. It's uh, it's a pretty good thing. So, Jason, um, thank you for your time, uh, hey, your insight. Anytime. I really enjoyed uh, talking about the Portuguese community, really enjoyed talking about Nani, who seems to be very settling in very, very well. And, um, you know, again, um, I think at the end of the day, while he might be in the, at least in terms of the national team, in the twilight of his career, he is still contributing. He's still making soccer fans excited. And uh, it looks like, you know, he's going to end his career on a very good note. And like you said, I don't think he has many years left. I mean, uh, you know, I don't, I think with MLS, he can, you know, he could probably play another four to five years, um, you know, if they decide to have him. So I think it's uh, pretty good. And he's, and like I said, he's being productive and he's, you know, and, and look, Orlando this year looks like they're, uh, they're in the hunt. I mean, one of the great things about MLS and, you know, Pedro Santos of Columbus said this on this podcast, uh, Marcus Santos said this is that there's so much, it, this is not a league every year that's dominated by two or three teams. This is a league that, you know, there is a lot of parity, which means there's more than 10 teams that could win it. And sometimes the, the years that teams win it, it's probably a team that wasn't even in the top five predicted to win it. So it creates that fan, which by the way, I think MLS and American soccer football, whatever word people use needs, because I think if you had, let's say a Los Angeles or a New York franchise that dominated this league, that would hurt the league because, you know, what would be the point of, Orlando or Columbus or Colorado when the big market teams are dominating. So the fact that you have a league that has this type of parity and enables as many teams as possible to compete for the title, I think that only helps the health of the league because, uh, you know, like I said, everybody is, is fighting for, you know, a title and, uh, you know, that's just my opinion, I think. So uh, that's, it's a good league. So if you're looking for any information on Orlando, a city SC was a sporting club, Orlando city sporting club. Soccer club, soccer club. Soccer club, okay. The last yeah. question is, the stadium was built, what, four years ago? It was built uh, approximately, yeah, four years ago. All yeah. uh, funded by the owner. Nothing with the state or uh, the county or the city. Um, it was all paid for and by Flavio Augusto da Silva, who just sold the team to the Wolf family from the Minnesota Vikings. So we get from a guy that's worth probably like $90 million, $100 million, to a guy that's a billionaire now. So yeah. that's only getting better now. And they're they're talking about, you know, bringing in stars to Orlando City. So hopefully uh, next year or sometime soon, I could be we could be talking about Cristiano Ronaldo maybe here in Orlando. Yeah, that or he visits <laughs> Orlando to play when he's playing. Unfortunately, yeah. I think in the case of Cristiano, if he does come to MLS – that's Miami. Be a, it'll be a big market team. I don't even think it'll yeah. be Miami. It could be. You never know. David Beckham has influence, but I think if he comes, he's probably going to be LA or New York because uh, he's also worried about his brand. But you know oh, what? Yeah. Orlando is fantastic. How, how many people are in the stadium? How many people fit in the stadium? So we could fit right now uh, because of COVID. We're at half. We come, well, not really half. It's uh, uh, we're a little bit lower than half. Uh, it's 11,000, but we can hold close to 26 to 27,000. Yes, yeah, that's great. That's a and, perfect I mean, uh, soccer venue. It's a, it's a beautiful soccer venue, and the United States national team has basically made, you know, how um, Mexico has its own stadium for the national team. Well, I think finally Orlando is the national team stadium for the U.S. national team. I mean, we've got uh, CONCACAF and all that coming in. Women's She Believes Cup usually plays all their games there. I mean, in USA, 
after that Panama USA game two years ago, and the USA national team just like was in awe with the, our stadium and everything. So, and now all it is now is it's going to just get better because, you know, like I said, with the new owners, they're just going to make it even better. That's great. Well, a lot of exciting things happening in Orlando, a lot of it being led by uh, Nani. Uh, Jason, thank you so much uh, for your time. Uh, Anytime, I, man. You know, you know, I follow you, I follow what you're doing, and I will continue to do so and look forward to your questions. And, you know, hopefully more Portuguese players will make their way down to Orlando and uh, continue good luck, uh, good luck Thank with you. Orlando, except when they play the New York teams. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let me let me just get that in there. And, uh, you know, again, I wish you the best of luck and I appreciate your time for you coming on. Thank you. Anytime and let me know. We can talk more often. Thanks for listening to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Just a gentle reminder that you can listen to our podcast and subscribe. It's available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, to name a few. And also, as of episode 68, it is also now available on YouTube on our channel, PortugueseSoccer.com. Folks, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support. Ciao, everybody. I'll talk to you next time.